This is the Ipsy SDA Media Network. Amen, amen, church. Good morning. Happy Sabbath to everyone as we again come together on this Black History Sabbath. Uh, before I begin my message this morning, first of all, I want to thank all the participants of the program thus far. It's always a blessing to usher in the Holy Spirit. Before I begin my message, I'd like to first give you a brief testimony on what inspired this message this morning. Um, I, years ago, um, I'm not going to date myself, but a few years ago, I, I was attending Oakwood College, and um, my second year, actually, um, I was on my way home for the holidays, for Thanksgiving holiday. And at that time, it was really ch- cheap to fly out of Nashville. So I had a friend, you know, drive me up on his way home, and he dropped me off at the Nashville airport. And I had, you know, I went in, and um, when I got to my gate, I was about to sit down, and I just happened to notice a, a, a guy sitting right across the hall from me. And I looked over, and I was like, that, that guy looks familiar. So anyway, I, I, I walked over there, and I introduced myself to him, and he, he actually said he'd seen me around campus, but surprisingly. Um, but anyway, we, 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 struck, uh, we, we, we had a really good conversation. Um, basically, it was the late um, Pastor Earl uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, Dr. E. Cleveland, and he was actually on his way. I'm, I'm not sure where he was going at that time, but we sat there for an hour. We just discussed various things, and I asked him questions around black history and, and um, you know, his, his involvement, and, and search, you know, it was just a very inspiring uh, uh, message and, uh, and just conversation with him. And, but the one thing I remember asking him years ago, I asked him the question, where was God in the middle of all of this? And, you know, he paused and he, he gave me an answer. And, 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 and I have it integrated in my message today. It was, you know, very inspirational. But, um, you know, he was telling me how he met Dr. King, Dr. King months before they did the march uh, in Montgomery, Alabama for the, the bus boycott. And so he actually showed up at, one, at his tent one, 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 one uh, Thursday, I think it was Thursday or Friday evening, and then they had a dialogue there. But it's just interesting to talk with an icon of our church who who been through so much in the struggle, and it inspired me now even more now than then. You know, when you're 19, 20 years old, things don't, don't resonate the way they do now. So I ask that you pray with me as I go through this message that was strongly uh, and, and, uh, impacted and um, Definitely inspired by the late, great Elder E.E. E. Cleveland. As we reflect today on black history, I cannot help but ask the question, where was God in the midst of slavery in America? See, still even believe today that slavery is supported in the Bible. Is it? Hmm. We still suffer from a hangover which fuse racist views and policies today. Many social and institutional roles, woes are a result of this past, but will we ever get past this history? Hmm. See, the reality is, is that we may never know why God allowed the institution of slavery here in the United States, but the reality is also is, in, is that in its midst of its occurrence, many lives have been affected and changed. Through our struggle, Blacks learned about Christ's plan 
of salvation. I'm reminded of the verses, and this is something that the elder Cleveland kind of pointed to. The verses Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, which says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your, your ways, and, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And, or, or Micah 4, 12, which says, But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord, and they do not understand his purpose, for he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing. The reality is, is that God allowed it. But he was also in the midst of breaking his back. Today, I will attempt to explore a challenging trajectory through a message entitled, Out, Up, and Over. Out, Up, and Over. I pray that you are blessed. Please bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege and honor of coming together this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we can reflect on our black history. We thank you uh, to reflect on all history, but we also thank you, Lord, that we have the Sabbath day that we can reflect on, that fact that you are the creator of it all and that you allowed us to be here uh, on this Sabbath day. Lord, wherever we are, I pray that you will be with us because even though the surface is virtual, this service is virtual. You are virtual as well. You're with all of us that are, that are viewing this thing. Be with us this day. These things we ask your holy name. Amen. Amen. Out, up, and over. As, as I said before, this is Black History Sabbath. And I always read this slide. This is my, my, my thesis statement. I always I let people understand what Black History Month is all about. It's to commemorate and celebrate the contributions to our nation made by people of African descent. American historian Carter G. Woodson established Black History Week. The first celebration occurred on February 12, 1926. For many years, the second week of February was set aside for the celebration to coincide with the birth- birthdays of abolition- abolitionist and, and editor Frederick Douglass and the birthday of President Abraham Lincoln. In 1976, as part of the nation's bicentennial, the week was expanded into Black History Month. And in 2000, President Clinton proclaimed February as National African American History Month. Hence, this is where we are. So, so, so I asked the question, well, what is black history? I've discussed that already, but interestingly enough, when we think about our, our, our secular institutions, our public schools, whenever black history is discussed, it's always built around the institution of slavery. We're taught more as a commodity than as a people. Hmm, hmm. But we see, what is slavery? According to Webster's Dictionary, slavery is defined as the condition of a slave, bondage, the keeping of slaves as a practice or an institution. Slavery emphasizes the idea of complete ownership or control by a master. Racism, which is a spawn of that, is defined as a a belief or a doctrine that inherent differences among the various human races determine cultural or individual achievements, usually involving idea that one's own race is superior and has a right to rule the other. Hmm. Hmm. So let's look closer to this. In both definitions, we see no mention of color. What we do see is a desire to rule, to control for selfish purposes. In the experience of the Israelites in Egypt, we clearly see that the situation had nothing to do with color. So what's going on? Well, we know that Satan took ownership of this world, and it wasn't about color. Satan is behind the, 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 this desire to, 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 to 
plow the minds of people and maintain the selfish attitudes. Hmm. Look at this. We see that, that the desire of ages talks about how Satan misrepresents God's law. And, and he turns God's law of love into a law of selfishness. That is the devil's influence of this world because we know that this is his domain. Many people are under his influence. But yet, when we see topics that are under severe attack, like critical race theories. I, I did a little bit of digging, and, and it's interesting because scholars of the critical race theory, they, uh, they, they state that it is a way of thinking about America's history through race. It argues that racism is more than just an individual prejudice or di- discrimination, but, but the critical race theory centers on the idea that racism is systemic in this country's institution, that it basically has become the, the foundation, the skeleton of the way this country has go- gone about its business. The theory argues that the country's institutions work to keep white people as the most powerful group, that, 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 they, sp- that, they, per- that they desire to, to suppress one group for another. We talked about how the devil is in the midst of all of this. And we wonder, what's going on? What's going on? You know, it's interesting. They, 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 you have many people pushing back, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But what's interesting, my, when my parents told me years ago that we, we grew up on the west side of Detroit, and the last house I, was, I, I attended or I lived in before come, moving out to Belleville, I was still young, um, written within the deed uh, uh, of the house itself, stated clearly that this, this property is not to be sold to a Negro or Jew in the paperwork, but the, a Jewish person sold him the house. So obviously that was out the window. But the fact of the matter is, they argue that this, that this is not justified. They argue that this is not a, a clear depiction of what really goes on behind the scenes. Really, this is really pushed back by what we call it the religious right. I'll call them the religious wrong. But anyway, the phrase religious right refers to a loose network of political actors and religious organizations and political pressure groups that formed in the, in, in, in the late 70s. These are white conservatives of evangelical Protestants and Roman Catholics, and, and they are the ones who are using the Bible to justify suppression of rights and, and the expression of racial superiority. They're the ones that push the idea of slavery. They want to push the idea of segregation. They want to, t- they want to eradicate out of schools. They don't want their children to be taught all of the, the hideous things that happen in our history. Now, let's go back to our history. Let's go back to the very beginning of how this thing began. See, the Spanish and the Portuguese pioneered the slave trade. The, when, when Europeans arrived in Africa in the 15th century, they found an African interior already dominated by powerful African states, well within, you know, that with a well-developed political, military, and economic system. See, see, the challenge of all this and the challenge of black history it's the, record of the realization and understanding that we're part of the problem. We were there when all this thing was at its inception. See, these African states exercised total control over the African hinterland and, and all the way to the coastland. These, when when, when, I, when the, the, the Spanish and the Portuguese and, 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 and the Europeans reached their shores, they couldn't just go in there and take nothing. They had to negotiate. That's how this thing began. They began passing of goods and, and commodities and gold, ivory, and, 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 and spices and all of these different things, rice, and all of these things were in exchange for this. Now, what they did not know was the extent of the cruelty that we'll talk about in a minute, but this was still a trade that they allowed. 
There were a few instances where they may have come and there were little snatching grabs where they're on the coast where they'll grab people. But for the most part, they had to abide through strict guidance by these, coast, by these kings when they entered their land. So we were, in, we were in this thing as well. We're not immune to this thing. We wonder, but anyway, after the first captives were, were, were came aboard, we see that in, 16, in 1619, 20 enslaved Africans were first brought here from the British colonies against their will. And they were the ones, the first ones to come on the shore as slaves. And, and as the first captives were, first, uh, were forced uh, on the Virginia shores by a Dutchman in, in 1619, the majority of the country remained white and relied mainly on labor and, uh, uh, of indentured servitude and, and Native American slaves. But, but, but it was not until the end of the 17th century that the transatlantic slave trade made its impact. Uh, its impact on the United, United States of America. Now, many times you learn in, in, in class, <clears throat> what is the difference between an indentured servant and a slave? Well, it's a big difference. One, indentured servitude was not slavery as, as individuals entered a contract of their own free will. This was a contract. They knew what they were getting themselves into. However, they could be sold or loaned or inherited or at least during the duration of the contract. But, Here's the differences and where, where the differences di- di- digress. Both slaves and indentured servants were subject to oppression and harsh treatment, but indentured servants were people in temporary service who would afterwards regain, regain their freedom, while slaves were considered property for the duration of their lives, and they were rarely ever granted freedom. So, so as I started this message, out, up, and over. Let's start about the out. One, how do we get out of slavery in the first place? Because we know the way it was initially set up, we weren't supposed to. Hmm, many grapple with, with its effects today. We ask the question, why did God allow it? But when, when, I, when I talked with my dialogue with E.E. With, uh, with, uh, um, e. Cleveland, and he, I asked him, well, you know, he, one of the things he pointed to was the reflection of, uh, of the dialogue that Job had with God. When, see, we wonder if God is still there in the midst of our adversity. We, we, we fear, we, we question, we grapple with, with our circumstances. Where is God when I'm in pain? Job, Job Ask the question itself. He seeks an audience with God. Explain to me why I'm dealing with all of this. And we know that, that the Lord never answered this question. Job 38 says, and then the Lord answered Job, our little whirlwind, and says, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. He spoke to Job. He gave him a synopsis of creation. He told him all the different, uh, different things that he had done well before there was an existence of anything. He had done it. And, he, and, and at the end of all this, he challenged Job. Shall, shall this one who, who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let the one who rebukes God answer questions posed thus far. Job's response, he considers himself vile. He's unable to answer the question. God revealed who he was, the essence of who he was. He never answered his question. He just basically said, I am God. You don't question me. You don't understand what's going on. I do things behind the scenes you can never even imagine. But why was this question even asked? Well, when it comes to history, the book of book, history records that of all history documented in the history of records, American slavery was the cruelest. Why? Because it was never intended 
to, 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 to break. It was, it was intended to be perpetual. So they had to break us. They had to have us in line because this was just a way of life. We were property. We were commodity. This thing was never going to break up. Islam, you know, we're free as a person. If you are enslaved by Islamic groups and, 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 and if they, they, they'll keep you enslavement. If you convert to Islam, now you can be released. With, with, with Hebrew slavery, you can be released every, ten, every seven years. But American slavery was different. But we also have to understand that, that in spite of our understanding, God was in the mix of all this thing because God moved upon the hearts of many of the slave owners who had been heavily indoctrinated by, 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 by the philosophies of, of, of Willie Lynch and, and trying to, to break the, the, the Negro spirit, trying to keep us down, preventing us from learning, preventing us from reading, preventing us from writing, preventing us from learning anything but the task that we've been given. But we see that they begin to fight among themselves. See, see God, he, he works in, in mysterious ways. Some slave owners, they make the critical error of starting to teach their slaves how to read and write. And when they did that, they started taking them to church with them. And that's why many churches have balconies. You wonder, it's just a setup. No, the balconies were where the slaves were sitting during the European services while they were in there having church. Now as they were learning how to read and learning how to write and they're learning how to read the Bible, eventually they, read, they, got, they, they started reading this Bible and they started learning about something. They started picking up this thing we call hope. See, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting. One of the things that uh, 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 Dr. Cleveland uh, encouraged me to do, and I never did it for years until just recently. He said, read uh, uh, the quotes in the Testimonies 5 and 1 of what the spirit of prophecy has to say about this whole uh, idea of slavery and enslavement of man. And I'm going to share it with you today. See, in January of 1861, James and Ellen White were invited to attend a dedication of the first organized Sabbatarian Adventist church in, in Parkville, Michigan. Yes, Michigan. Ellen White spoke during the service, and moments after she sat down, she received a vision, which lasted 20 minutes. After the vision had ended, she shared what she had seen with those that were present. There was, there was not a person, she says, in, in the house that who has ever dreamed of trouble that is coming upon this land. People are making sport of the succession ordinance of South Carolina. But I have just been shown that a large number of states are going to join uh, that, that, that state. And they will we create this, this terrible war on this land. What she was referring to was in 1860, South Carolina. Carolina succeeded from, 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 from the Union. South Carolina succeeded from, from, from the early United States. And, 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 and this was in protest to the election of one Abraham Lincoln, who was a, who was a Republican. And, they, they, and they, 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 were, they felt that he was not in the line with, with what they wanted. They wanted the institution of slavery in this country. And they didn't think that he was going to support that. So in protest, they succeeded. Interesting enough. That was not the, they were not the only states. Eleven other states eventually fell one in line with the other, preserving, trying to preserve this institution. Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, the entire Bible Belt. Yes, the people who, who were supposed to be religious. They said, no, this is an institution that we will never give up. But this was also the main cause of the Civil War. 
Sister White goes on to say in the testimonies that eight months after her, uh, her first vision, she was given a second glimpse into the events surrounding the American Civil War. On, 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 on the 3rd of August in 1861, she was attending the Seventh-day Adventist Conference in Roosevelt, New York. The day had been set aside as a, the National Day of Humiliation and Fasting and Prayer on behalf of the war. What she said was, she, as she received this vision, she was shown that slavery was a sin and that the laws upholding it were directly opposed to the teaching of Christ. She was also shown that God was using the war to punish both sides, the South for practicing it and the North for allowing it to go along unchecked for so long. She goes on to say in January 4, 1862, that when she was home in Battle Creek, she was shown things in regard to our nation in the war. Again, in, in the testimony, the North did not understand the bitter, dreadful hatred of the South towards them and, and, and were unprepared for their plots. The North had no idea of the strength of this accused system of slavery. She also goes on to say that it is this and this alone which lies for the foundation of this war. Yes, we're taught various things about the war. We, we know that it has other uh, economic and other implications, but the bottom line was that, that this was, was a, a result of human trafficking. That God's, as the angel says, hear, O heavens, the cry of their press and the reward of their pressers double according to their deeds. This nation will yet be humbled into the dust. See, see, God pressed Paul. See, see, the, the, the North were, were, were a machine age. They ironed and they had the, the, the tanks and, and they had the cannons and, and they had all this stuff. They could have easily decimated the South. They didn't have the things that we had up here. The most, most significant part of the vision, though, was the detailed description which she was given by a mysterious, disastrous battle of Manassas Junction, Virginia. This battle, which was known in the Union Army circles as the first battle of Bull Run and among the Confederates as the first battle of Manassas, was fought near Washington, D.C. in northern Virginia, July 24, 1861. Both forces were suffering terrible casualties. But at one point, when the North was pushing ahead, they were about to win this thing decisively. Ellen White saw an angel descend from heaven to the battlefield and wave his hands backwards. Instantly, there was confusion among the ranks, and they were retreating when there was not actually the case. This led to the commencement of, of a retreat. Lieutenant Colonel W. W. Blafford, in, in, his, in, his, um, in his memoirs, says that, which up to this point, there was clearly defined and unbroken uh, lines of, of, of movement. Then suddenly, we became like, like the confused swarm bees, running away as fast as we can. Well, what was going on? Well, the angel explained to Ellen White, that, that God had the nation in his hands and would not allow victories to be gained faster than he ordained. The North was to be held accountable for the, uh, for the failure to act with regards to the wretchedness of slavery that had spread throughout the South. The vision reveals two key points. One, that God is keenly interested in the cause of, of the oppressed and is willing to intervene on the behalf of those who cannot fend for themselves. And secondly, it points to the duty and responsibility that rests on all Christians to champion the same cause. The social justice does not lie beyond the realm of Bible religion. 
In fact, sometimes it lies at the very heart of it. Yes, we need to be involved out there. Yes, we need to be out there pushing back uh, the, 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 the selfish desires of, the, uh, of our Caucasian friends sometimes and those who want to enslave and, and want to, to, to castellate their, their domain on us. Yes, we need to be out there. Because, and I'll go into te- in that a little bit more detail. So we see that the union's at, at odds. God is still with his people. See, interestingly enough, it took 10 plagues to break the back of slavery in Egypt. But it took one plague to break the back of slavery in America. And that one plague is the U.S. Civil War, which again broke out April 12, 1861, and went all the way to May 9, 1865, which resulted in roughly 750,000 casualties. But in the midst of that war, something else happened unique. In, in, in 1862, uh, the, the, uh, his advisors of Abraham Lincoln came to him and said, uh, sir, we're dealing with so numerous casualties. We, we, we're starting to lose our slip of this thing. We need, we need reinforcements. We need help. We need those Negroes to help us. Otherwise, we're going to lose this thing. And then we see in 1862, they pass in an act where they allow the, the Negro to now pick up a gun and, and, and they formed, uh, 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 they formed the, the, their troops and, and they, they came together. And by the end of the Civil War, roughly 179,000 black men, 10% of the Union Army served. And, and, and we served in, within the U.S. You see, even in the Union Army, that they were part of this thing. And yet the other 19,000 served within the Navy. So we see that even in the midst of the war, there had to be a a recognition and a a recollection that, hey, we can't do this by ourselves. We need help. Hmm. So how do we get out of this thing? Out. God intervened. One. Two, we survived. We're resilient people. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. We worked it our way out. We, we, we didn't buckle under the pressure that they, that they put us under. We sang our way out. Hmm, slaves discovered hope. And we see that ingrained within our music. Our music reflected the intentions that we will not be slaves any longer. How was this music set up? Well, spirituals fall into three basic categories. Call and response. And leader begins a line, which is then followed by a choral response, often sung to a fast, rhythmic tempo, like, ain't that good news? Or swing low, sweet chariot. Or go down Moses. Or, or just more slow, retrospective music, like slow melodic, song sustained, expressive phrasing, generally slower tempo, deep river. Balm of Gilead or, or Calvary. And then there were the fast and rhythmic tones that, that the songs were often tell a story in a faster syncopic uh, uh, rhythm, like witness every, every time I feel the spirit. Elijah rock, rock, rock. And, or Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. See, these lyrics dealt with characters from the Old, from the old Testament, like Daniel and, and Moses and David. We had, you know, we had overcome, they had overcome great tribulations in which, and with whom the slaves could easily identify. And relate to. And from the New Testament, the slaves most clearly identified with the one we all know. Take us all out of slavery. The slavery of sin. And he would help them 
out of slavery of oppression. And that's Jesus Christ, who, who, who they can relate to. Hold on until they gain their freedom. Although the slaves often sang about heaven, the River Jordan, and, and the hidden references to the underground railroad destinations of the Ohio River was regularly subject within their songs. In fact, so many of the hidden meanings of songs, wade in the water. This song was important meaning because it tells the slaves that the need to wade in the water, to throw the dogs and catchers off their trails, the water washed away their sin and also stopped a path of footprints. This piece of advice kept many slaves alive and helped them uh, when they escaped. Harriet Tubman liked to sing this song in her, in her uh, track to, 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 as she was leading so many who knew what to do and else as, uh, was separated from the group. Swing low, sweet chariots. This song was about the carriages and wagons that took slaves into slavery, especially those bringing them back. The words were very direct. And if you knew that there was a secret message, there would be the pick it up. Swing low, sweet chariots is said to be one of Harriet Tubman's favorite spirituals. She used the spiritual to communicate messages to slaves she was moving. She used one to tell slaves it, it, was, it feels safe to come out or if, it was sla- uh, or if you needed to stay hidden. And then we all have served a song, the gospel train is coming, told the slaves that a group was planning to escape. The gospel train was one of the code names for the Underground Railroad. The slave owners would have no idea that slaves were, were planning to escape because it wasn't directly put in within the song. We had ingenuity even then. And then there was a lots of biblical references as well. And we also noticed and we, as, as coming out to light, we, we, the development of the cornrows. Many of the women had cornrows uh, intertwined in their heads. They, 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 many of the cornrows were, were actually maps helping them to navigate to where the various underground, underground uh, railroad destinations are. That's where all this stuff comes from. Read your history. History is confounded, though. Historians are mystified. How can we have maintain a hope in the midst of apparent hopelessness? Hmm. But when the Bible was, was consumed and, and when they started to read this thing, that fire caught hope is what perpetuated them. We came out by the promises of his word. Hmm. That's what sustained them. But this is interesting because I, I, I share this to many of our, our, our Christian brothers, even in this church today, that have this conservative belief of one race over another. During, right after the, the Reconstruction, Sister Wright wrote that it is a shame for Christians who professed to be themselves redeemed by the blood of the Lamb to take a position to make these men, these colored men, feel that the mark of a humiliated race is upon them. Men standing in God's broad sunlight with mind and soul like other men, with a godly uh, frame as has the best developed white man. She, she saw the fallacy of all of this. And she warned them at that time. Now we talk about uh, over, you know, out and now we're going up. This is phase two. See, when we think about going up, don't listen to those who say that they're more, the, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Because some things have changed in this country. See, we bounce out of slavery up into segregation. But segregation is not slavery. Slavery says you couldn't be. We, couldn't, we were forbidden from doing anything. Segregation, they allowed us, but halfway. It wasn't perfect. But it was movement, nonetheless. We were on the move. Jobs and housing, and, and we, we, we have today, they were not available to us back then. We, we, the things that we could do today was not 
was not availed to us back then. That is, this is the kind of thing that, that pains me when I see so many young people on social media talking out the side of their mouths about, about their rights and, 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 and all this kind of thing. They don't understand where we came from. Read your history. What kept us hope alive during segregation? Hmm. Well, I, 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 think, I think a summation of this was I, was I was online the other day, and there was, um, at the Canton Church, they have a, a black history program every year. And this young minister, Michael Presley Sr., wondered why his father wasn't angry because of the treatment he received as, as, as a black man. Presley believed his father would be angry. His father worked hard and, and served in, during World War II, but he wasn't treated as an equal. Eventually, Presley came to realize why his father wasn't angry. He couldn't understand as a youth. Presley said his father kept hope alive as he watched his children grow and believe in a life and beginning to live their dreams. But the dream hasn't been fulfilled. But there is a concern the hope is fading in some black Americans. Why? Because we have lost our faith. We have lost our hope. And, and, and I'm going to explain that in more. See, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, that, which is today, is, is an important movement, but it's devoid of something. And I'm going to go to that in a minute. It is missing a key ingredient in the essence of this movement. Be, keep hope alive. So the struggle continues was the theme of the celebration of Presley, who was the pastor of the Mount Zion Church of God in Christ in Canton, Ohio. And basically, he said it reminded him of how, what his father had to contend with back in the early 50s and the 60s of this country. But we see that, that, that we're moving up. Now we're moving over. See, 18 hours before Martin Luther King died from assassin's bullet, Dr. King stated on April 4, 1968, and he stated, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. What is he talking about? Well, Dr. King, was, he, we know he was shot 18 hours later. And, and when he was shot, it reverberated within the very nation, the foundation of this country. We didn't cross over into promised land. But what we didn't understand was just going back to the Bible. And the, the crossing over was just the beginning of the journey. That's why we go back to our, 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 our scripture reading this morning and, 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 and start at verse 2. Moses, my servant is dead, but now therefore arise, go over to Jordan, you and all your people, to the land which I am giving to you, the children of Israel, every place that, that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I will give you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and, and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses and will be with you. I will, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong, be of good courage. Be for, for the people you shall divide as an inheritance of the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong, be, be courageous, be, that, that you may observe to do according to the laws which, which Moses says, you know, that my servants commanded, and do not turn from it the right hand or the left hand, that you may, be, you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according 
to all that is written. See, basically, what God has given us a template and how to move this thing along quicker. God has provided us a, 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 a way of, a, a, of getting over this thing. The Black Lives Now movement need to focus on this verse. The only way we're going to move is under direction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, see when, the, when, 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 when the children of Israel crossed over, what was waiting on them? What did the temp spies report? They report there were giants in the land. See, there were was, there was still obstacles. It wasn't it, just because they, we went over. It wasn't done. And we, Genesis 15, 19, of all the various inhabitants of the land, the Kenites, the Kesatites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and, and Parasites, there, was, there were occupants there that they had to deal with. The Israelites were met with stiff resistance and opposition in battles. We had the same thing too, but we can overcome through the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, well, these individuals were instrumental in helping to undo some of the wrongs that was built within the institution of our country. President Lyndon Johnson and Adam Clayton Powell was an American Baptist preacher and a politician who represented Harlem District th- during his time there in, in Congress. He, 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 they helped clean up the language of, of, uh, 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 that, that, of illegal segregation. They clean all that stuff. And this was uh, actually off the, t- the tale of Earl Warren, uh, of Earl Warren, who was a, uh, the 14th uh, Chief Justice, who also was uh, t- starting to reverse all of the language uh, that, that was written within the foundation of this country, within the laws of this country. They started it. But where we went wrong is thinking that it was over. See, this was Dr. King's analogy. He says we have to, we'll get over, but we have to continue to, 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 to move. We have to continue to, to do what we can. Black Lives Matter movement needs to focus on aligning themselves with the one who will get us through this thing. Christ! There's no Bible! You have rights, but you are created under God. He is sovereign. He's the one that will make that determination. When we align with him, he hears the suffering of his people. This thing will move forward. Leviticus 20, 24. Hence I have said to you, you are to possess their land, and I myself will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. Just like them, we must march on, led by the Spirit. That's the only way we're going to move this thing. Black Lives Matter has, it has the right intentions, but it's devoid, it's devoid of the Bible. It's devoid of the one who can lead us out of this thing. We must be progressive in the midst of opposition as our Christ will hear our cries. And, 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 and finally, uh, as, I, as I, I prepare to close, I just want to give you a brief synopsis of what we had to deal what with. What is it about the Negro? I mean, every other group that came as an immigrant somehow, not easily, but somehow got around it. Is it just the fact that Negroes are black? White America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. Uh, That is one thing that other immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negroes' color a stigma. America freed the slaves in 19, I mean 1863 through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land are nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant 
that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base. And yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom uh, to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate, and therefore it was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white Americans tell the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, they don't, oh, they don't look over the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But uh, it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless and degrading. You see that when, when blacks were released from slavery, we were not privy to the many of the economic bounties awarded us. The Israelites left Egypt with riches. They, they came out with the gold and, 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 and jewelry and, and things of wealth to help put, get themselves back up on their feet. Yet, in spite of all that, we still proceeded in the face of resistance and hurdles and demonstrated a resolve in this, this world has never seen before. What's interesting to me is that we hear the perceptions of us as an inferior race or us as a lazy people, mainly here in the United States. Let me tell you something. Read our history. So many people come into this country accusing the black men. I used to hear this stuff all the time when I was at Oakwood. Folks coming from the, uh, from the West Indies and from Africa talking about us, not recognizing that to be where we are today, in spite of the hurdles in front of us, is a miracle in and of itself. You see, just look mainly here, just examine our trajectory. There's no other ethnic nationality who would have accomplished what we have with all of the challenges against us. We will be a blessed people in the world made new. See, 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 as I, as I wind this message down, see, as Christians, the reality is, is that we will never be fit for God's kingdom until we reach beyond ourselves and love others as Christ loved us. Unity is necessary to finish the work. We must embrace all, even our enemies, even the, those that don't like the way we look, difficult as it may seem, but only, but this is only attainable by an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Only through his Holy Spirit are we capable of all of this stuff. See, see, we must reflect on these verses. Psalms 133, 1, which says how good and, and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For 2 Corinthians 13, 11, uh, uh, this says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. Galatians 3.28, which says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. I know it's, it would be easy for us to separate and have our own. We tried to do that before. They couldn't deal with that. They had to burn it down and, and destroy it. But we know that the devil, as long as we're on this planet, this is his house. This is his domain. But <laughs> we know that we're in the midst of a spiritual warfare. Jesus is soon to come. We cannot be distracted by controversy here. This is not our home. 
We, we, we want it all. We want to be in perfect. We want, be, we want it perfect here. But it's not going to happen as long as God's enemy is alive. That's not going to happen in this country. But that, that's the devil's ploy. But we must be about witnessing and saving souls. So, so as I conclude this message this morning, we need to understand that, that, that there's only going to be one heaven. I've heard even that. Some, some people say, well, there are going to be a, uh, two heavens, one for them and one for you. <laughs> you're going to be sadly, you're sadly misinformed. The Bible clearly says that I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There was only one heaven, and we're all going to be partakers of that. As I close this message, remember that we must remain in his bosom. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we get to heaven, there's going to be all you there. When we get to heaven, if you can't, if you can't reach out to your brothers here, hmm, that's a, that's a tremendous testament as to where you think you might be. Christ will soon unify us. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that, that, but, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And finally, separate no more. After man's sin, we, are, we were separated from God's love. But Christ came to restore that breach. Isaiah 67, 1 says, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in the portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Yes, yes, there's division here. Yes, there's racial tensions here. There's an expectation. God is telling us that, listen, I don't have a segregated uh, uh, heaven. I, I, you know, I, I don't have, it, all will have a, have, a, uh, have a crown. They all will be, be, be at my feet. All will come to us and we will rejoice together. Not as black. God is not coming back for a black man, a white man, a red man, a yellow man. No, he's coming back for all those who, who are giving their life to him. He died for all. He didn't just die for the right. He didn't just die for the black. He died for all. And what a message of hope we have. Don't get caught up in in, in all this stuff. Don't get caught up in this. This is just the devil's ploy. Because in reality, the closer we get to the return of Christ, color is not going to be the issue. COVID is not going to be the issue. All these things that we're tussling with now is not going to be the issue. The issue will come down to a day of worship. That's it. All the stuff will be null and void. Don't get caught up. I encourage you on this Black History Day to reflect, to, to, to not only reflect on our history. Young people, you need to pick up a book. Young people, yes, you have access on the internet. Look for some stuff. But too many young people are caught up not understanding our history. You, you, you got folks killing themselves in the hood. They got people talking about, you, you, you disrespecting me. Really? Go down to the 40 South and talk about disrespect. Learn your history. We need to learn to, to, to come together as a people and pull each other up, support each other, 
not shoot each other down like dogs. That is what God expects of all of us. I ask that you please bow your heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for just the privilege and honor of being able to speak briefly on this, on this Black History uh, uh, Holy Sabbath day. And I pray, Lord, that, that someone at the sound of my voice was moved by the message to recognize that black life matter does matter, but all lives matter. But more importantly, if we want any movement in rights in this country, we want any movement in, in, in the welfare in this country, that you have to be the center, of, the epicenter of everything that we do. You got the, the Egyptian, you got the, the Israelites out, and you moved even in, 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 in the mo- in hearts of, of our, our, our slaves as they were praying to you. That is the only way. That is the way that we're going to get out of this thing. It's to lean on you. Be with us this day, Lord. And I pray that everyone at the sound of my voice may be blessed throughout this, uh, the rest of this blessed Sabbath. These things I ask in your holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 May God bless you all.